from the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, with two-man coverage of the red and gold, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back to Locked On Chiefs. It's Ryan, and I am flying solo today, just before I go out on vacation for about 10 days. So wanted to say hello. I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, I am the founder of Rogue Analytics, as well as your host over at LockedOnChiefs.com, where we're staffing up and we're going to have a great fall for you so make sure you're checking out the content that's over there now so you get a little bit of a preview um also started a youtube channel Uh, i'm sure most of you have heard but if not check it out please it's called rgr football it'll be in the show notes uh and i'm doing more work there so that we can see more of a visual and have the same frame of reference. So uh, I'm having a lot of fun doing it and still kind of getting my feet wet and figuring out all these things. But I've got one that's coming out on the guy that we're going to talk about today uh, that'll be out this weekend. So look for that uh, on Sunday. It'll be on Armani Watts, and we're going to talk about him later, and and I want to go through that with you some. Uh, And then going to talk about some other guys in the next video or two while I'm out on vacation. And while I am gone, we have a great lineup. Uh, we're pre-recording some things to try and make things easier on Chris while I'm gone. And we have our old friend Therese Paler coming back, uh, newly gone over to Yahoo Sports. And I know you all kind of miss him. Uh, we're going to talk with him and get his impressions on the Chiefs as well as his new gig. And, th- and that should be out sometime next week as well. Matt Waldman's coming on. We're going to talk Pat Mahomes, uh, the goods, the bads, then looking at the future. Uh, he is not the only person that's been paying a lot of attention to Pat Mahomes lately, including uh, Lewis Riddick of ESPN, uh, had some very interesting comments and is of the opinion that, that not only he, but a good chunk of the league is feeling very optimistic that Pat Mahomes is going to come in and light it up. And that's that's great to hear. Let's see it in, in progress. But I, I think most of us feel like he's got the ability um, – And as we get closer, I think it really comes down to how much has he learned, what has he done in the offseason in terms of homework uh, to really get to the point where he doesn't have to rely on his arm and the scramble and everything else that has led, uh, at least in college, to a lot of his turnovers. Um, I think the turnover rate is going to be particularly the the stat that's going to mark how far he's progressed uh, as a player from from his rookie season sitting behind Alex Smith to where he is now. Um, I like the leadership that he's shown. Uh, we've talked about that some. Obviously, he has the arm talent. Um, very impressed with the board when he came in for his pre-draft visit, and now he's been in the system. Um, I know they made him comfortable with my Kafka when they first started, even though Matt Nagy was going to be uh, the offense coordinator, but I think that is a nice transition that is going to allow him to continue and pick up where he left off. I think that's going to be very important for Pat Mahomes. So I think overall, at the end of the day, he's a guy that that I think can light it up. It's going to be not that I doubt what he's going to be able to do on the positive side. I think he's going to throw a lot of touchdowns. I don't know that he gets to 4,000 yards. I just don't know. Um, I'm going to keep that. I'm going to take the under on that right now just because I don't want to put too much pressure on the guy. Um, But I think the touchdowns are certainly going to rise. And I think the big question is going to be, can he control the turnovers? Uh, and that's going to be the thing that I'm going to watch. And I think it's going to be the thing that tells the tale of whether he really does, as Lewis Riddick says, light the, the league up. Or if he's just going to be a very good quarterback that, that clearly is still progressing, which is perfectly within expectation. So I, I think that's the natural thing. And I, and I hope that he's not feeling too much pressure. Um, another bit of news that's come out is that uh, the Cleveland Browns are going to be on hard knocks. 
Um, and, and normally I, I don't really talk about the media side of it too much. Um, but that's kind of a thing that's important in a couple of ways. A, because John Dorsey didn't want to do it. And in fact, from what I hear, the majority of the organization didn't want to do it. Um, and it seems like somehow they were coerced or arm twisted into participating. And I don't know if that's uh, a reward they were given by the league or some kind of uh, preferential treatment, maybe in the overseas games. I don't know. Um, maybe we'll get the guys from uh, Arrowheads brought on and talk about that sometime in June. Um, but one way or the other, they are going to be the feature on Hard Knocks. And I think it's a great series. It gives you an insight uh, that you can't get in many other places. And I think for Chiefs fans in particular, it's going to be very telling to see uh, what we haven't seen because uh, rumors after John Dorsey's departure about the way he treated people and the way that he compartmentalized all the information that was really pertinent to, as to what was actually going to happen uh, and keeping that mostly to himself. I think that's a way of operating that can show clear delineations when you're watching it on film. Um, and, and the way that we see him interact with people in Cleveland, I think, um, you know, no offense to him, but, you know, he's an older guy. Uh, he's a general manager. I, I'm I'm doubting that he's gone to Cleveland and decided he needs to turn over a new leaf. So I have a good feeling that the John Dorsey we're going to see on Hard Knocks is the same John Dorsey that was in Kansas City. I don't think his behavior is going to be a whole lot different other than uh, that that interaction between uh, Andy Reid and he is clearly going to be different than uh, Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley. Um, I think, if anything, he's got more control, more confidence, more of what he's been cajoled a little bit about in Kansas City in, in treating it as though he were uh, running the show free of influence. I think that's probably actually true in Cleveland. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he goes about interacting with the players and the coaches and, and, you know, knowing him, he'll duck as much of the cameras as he can. But uh, I think that's part and parcel of being on the show is that you have to show some of that and you have to be available for some of that. Uh, in particular, watch for the cut down day scenes. That's going to be very interesting and work the wire. I would not be surprised um, to see, you know, one of those one day sitting in an office and he's on the phone and, and the scroll across the screen says, you know, talking to, General Manager Brett Veach of the Kansas City Chiefs and, and, and talking to Chris Ballard of the Colts, uh, as well as the other connections he has in Green Bay and, and Reggie out in, in Oakland. Uh, I think you're going to see uh, some of that in the connections that he has. You're also going to be able to see the way that he evaluates talent, the way they bring in uh, free agents during the cuts the way that they've gone through, and, and hopefully they display some of what the priorities are for a John Dorsey-led uh, scouting department and personnel department. Um, and I think that's going to be telling again of the way that it was done in Kansas city. And thereby uh, you can also get a feel for how it's being done, or at least somewhat um, there's going to be similarities to what Brett Veach is doing in Kansas city right now today. Uh, now I don't know that Brett Veach sees John Dorsey as his mentor. I would kind of doubt that, um, but it's a possibility. And I think probably it's more of the Andy Reed connection, but I, I have to think that uh, John Dorsey's had some success and maybe uh, there's quite a bit that, that carries over and that the Chiefs are doing in their workings as they get ready for training camp uh, and go through the process. And maybe there's some similarities we can glean from that. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, and I'll probably be watching it a little bit more intently than I normally do. But, you know, that's that's just the way that it goes. Um, let's take a quick second, and we'll come back, and we're going to talk about this kid from Texas A&M 
and uh, you know the pluses and the minuses, and, and really what he brings to the table. So Armani Watts is a player that I think rode a little bit under the radar. Where he was selected, I, I think he probably could have gone higher, but the minuses that he shows on film, I think, have some people uh, scared off a little bit. Uh, he he was fairly injury prone. He missed out uh, some games in 2017, uh, as well as the bowl game uh, with some bruised ribs that he wasn't able to play. So I think that played a, a fairly good factor in it as well. But uh, I'm going to have a video come out on RGR Football on YouTube here over the weekend. So keep your eyes peeled for that. It'll give some more depth and some more visual to this. But Overall, what I want to get across is from what I've watched on film, and again, uh, as we talked about with Seth uh, Kaiser uh, weeks ago, months ago, I don't even remember, um, it's difficult to scout safeties on a broadcast film. Uh, I got my hands on a little bit of all 22 from Texas A&M, but honestly not much. So that's the tool that I'm, I'm left using, and it's difficult because a lot of the time they start to play off the screen. But one thing that really, really stood out to me is that you can see as, as they zoom into the play that they're starting in a cover two shell at Texas A&M a lot, at least in 2017. Um, and what we saw fairly often, and I don't do a count like Seth does. Um, I, I try to just get general impressions to see what he's capable of, not how much he's doing where and when and that kind of thing. But a lot of times you see him creeping into a robber type position. Uh, much like we've seen Eric Berry do in Kansas City for years and years and years. And that tells me that, A, he's smart enough to disguise what he's doing, at least at the beginning of the pre-snap process, and try to shift his position late in in the pre-downs to try and throw off the quarterback. And that's a, a significant skill and something that Bob Sutton likes to utilize, uh, particularly because he has smart players. And I think that's something that tells me that Armani Watts can fit into that role. Now, secondarily, the same way that we see it, it's it's that shifting from double safeties, you know, basically covering halves of the field to a single high, where he's kind of coming underneath but not getting all the way as though they were in line. And if you have Eric Berry out there with him, you know, that's probably putting Berry in the back, which we've talked about before. He can play anywhere. Um, I don't think it's the best use of Eric Berry, but if it's the best use of that secondary, then I can get by with it. But it's also something that I can see doing in the opposite, where you don't know who's going to walk up into the box or into that that robber area, which is more like you know twelve to fifteen yards deep. It's not really in the box, um, but Barry does it with so much success, and it allows him to make breaks on the ball to read. And I think that's something that on film, Armani Watts has shown the ability to do as well. Um, he is able to see what's going on as plays develop, as plays initially start. Uh, he's not limited to the pre-snap, and I think that's important. And what he's able to do at that point is be a guy that can maneuver. Um, he comes up well. He he plays and, and has some stats behind the line of scrimmage because he can read out screens. Um, he is a guy that, that covers a lot of ground, even though he's not like a blazer blazer in terms of his 40 speed or even his 10. Um, but he has functional speed. He's smooth in his transitions. Um, I don't I don't like him matched up uh, in man that much, especially against a shifty guy, because he, I think he has a tendency to get out of phase and lose track a little bit. But certainly in, in an off, you know, if he's going to start in a, in a safety spot, come up to be an off nickel I, I think that's 
completely workable. If he plays, keeps the play in front of him uh, from a slot receiver doing a low crosser or something like that, I think it's perfectly legit that he can cover them. Now, if you're asking him to go down the field, turn his back, and, and shatter a receiver, I'm not sure that's where you want him. So I still think that the deeper half of the field is the best spot for him, but it will be a little bit interchangeable. Um, I don't expect him to come all the way into the box and then line up like Dan Sorensen did. Uh, or has, or will, or whatever you want to call it, uh, and, and be within five to seven yards of the line of scrimmage. I just don't think that's his game. I think he's 10 to 12 yards deep at the closest, maybe 15 to 18 if he's playing that deep solo spot, which I think he can do as well. And I'll tell you why. Let's take another second, and I'll come back and do that. And the reason is that Armani Watts can play deep safety is because of that vision and his instincts. He showed that he can cover ground and he can play the ball. He's got ball hawk ability. Uh, he can go up, and even though he's a guy that's uh, you know, not super tall, he's somebody that can go up and high point the ball and, and compete for it against bigger receivers. Uh, and we've seen that, and it's it's important. And, and it's something that I, that I highlight on this video that's coming out on Sunday. And I think it's important for you all to see because it's an ability – that he has that the Chiefs really don't right now. Eric Berry is, is a playmaker. The other safeties are not. And it's it's production that you need, especially with the loss of Marcus Peters. And while Ron Parker was solid, he wasn't he wasn't a producer in terms of, of turnovers or even PBUs. Uh, I, I think that is a transition that they're looking to make. And I think that's probably the number one skill when I look on the film of what the Chiefs saw pre-draft and why they were interested in him. Uh, that's what stands out to me is probably the thing that drove them towards his evaluation as being a guy that they wanted in the first place. It lets them get another playmaker on the field. Now, I'm not sure right now that he can be a force to be reckoned with, especially as a rookie. Uh, but clearly, he and Eric Murray look to be competing for one of the safety spots. And I think he probably, especially given that there's no free safety deep, a, a Parker type, I think Watts has the upper hand because I think Murray is still best as a corner. I don't know that he's made the transition to safety enough. We'll see what he's done in this offseason. Um, I like Eric Murray still. I'm still a fan of his. I liked what he did in college. And I think he's another guy that, even more so than Watts, is more of a robber that can come down on, into a slot and cover uh, because Eric Murray was a corner in college, a slot corner in particular, I think that he can do that. Asking him to cover tight ends is a problem. We've seen that, and I don't know that that's going to improve. Uh, but if he can get better in space and have, be another option where you have Watts, Barry, and Murray as interchangeable guys that can either play a deep single, can play a deep split, and I do think we're going to see more cover too. Uh, what you need to do is be able to let that bigger front eat a little bit, and by having two safeties more often than we've seen in the past, I think that's a way to help them out. Uh, now, particularly, I want to see them play cover man, cover two man, because I think jamming, interrupting pass routes is the way to win in the NFL. And if you play two safeties over the top in addition, I think that just gives your pass rush a little bit more opportunity, gives you more opportunity to get the ball away. Um, interceptions, PBUs in particular. Um, and I think that's that's something that Sutton has to do. Now that they've gotten Hitchens and they feel comfortable with him and Raglan in the middle, uh, locking down that those middle zones in the pass game allows the, the back and the front 
to really get after it and, and try to come up with some plays. So that's what I'm looking for, and we'll see how it starts to go together, where people take snaps in OTAs, and particularly how they line up once they get to training camp. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, looks like Chris and I will both be either taking a trip together or, or separate trips to training camp, so like to see you guys out there. We'll probably do some video and audio from there as well, so uh, keep that in mind. Um, please check out RGR Football this weekend, and uh, you know I'm going to be gone, but Great shows coming up for you with Waldman, with Therese. Uh, Matt Derrick's going to be back and kind of co-host with Chris. So I really appreciate that, Matt. And I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to get some uh, downtime after this draft season. And I'll be back fresh and ready for you when we get to June. So thank you for your time. Thanks for listening. And uh, we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Chiefs podcast. While you're out there, give us a rating or review and reach out to us on Twitter at Ryan Tracy NFL and at Chris Clark NFL. We'll talk to you next time.